Welcome to Live with Lon. It is so great to have you with us today. Uh, this wonderful spring day. I'm kind of projecting forward that hopefully it will be a wonderful spring day when you listen. And we are continuing today in our study of the Gospel of John. And today we're going to study an aspect of our God that is um, mysterious and often confusing uh, to us. But it's very important that we understand this part of God's nature and character. So, I hope I've piqued your interest. Let's pray, and we'll dig in. Dear Lord Jesus, one of the reasons you gave us the Bible, of course, was to tell us how to get saved and get eternal life. And another reason you gave us the Bible, of course, was to reveal yourself, your nature, your attributes, your habits, your likes, your dislikes, how to please you, what kind of attitudes and behavior you cherish and take pleasure in. So, Lord, today, as we talk about that, I pray that you would open our hearts by your Spirit and teach us so that we understand this very important point about the living God and how it affects our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, what? What'd you say? Come on, here we go. Amen. And now what? Amen. You bet. Now, John chapter 11. Here we go. New King James Version of the Bible. And remember what we study here on Live with Lon. What do we study? Say it with me. Come on now. The Bible. Say it. The whole Bible. Say it. And nothing but the Bible. And then we apply it to our life. That's what we're going to do today. So we're in John 11. And uh, we've done the first four verses in the last two weeks. And you say, man, if we only do two verses... Every week, we're going to be here forever. Well, so what? If the Lord comes back, and we're still in John 11, <laughs> what difference does it make? What a great chapter to be in when you take off to go see the Lord in heaven. So, uh, let me read you the verses we've studied. Let's put them on the screen. Verse 1. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, his sisters sent to him, saying to him, Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick, meaning Lazarus. And when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not to death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, where was Jesus that they had to send to him? Well, look with me at the end of chapter 10, verse 40. It says, And after leaving Jerusalem, he, Jesus, went away again beyond the Jordan, that is, river, 
to the place where John was baptizing at first, and there he stayed. So, Mary and Martha and Lazarus are living in Bethany, just over the Mount of Olives, a mile to two miles outside of, away from the temple, right near Jerusalem. And Jesus has gone down to the Jericho region, about 13 miles away, and then across the Jordan River to rest and escape uh, the conniving and plotting of the Pharisees to try to trap him, arrest him, and kill him. So that's where they are. This is why the Bible says they sent to him down there by the Jordan. Now, the next verse, verse uh, 5. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And we said last week, this was not just, oh, Jesus loves everybody. It's more than that. He often stayed at their house. Remember, I told you this last week. And he often ate there, slept there, took a, a bath there. Maybe they packed him a bag lunch uh, to take to Jerusalem. I don't know. Uh, but he knew them on a much more familiar level uh, than he just knew some stranger. And he had a special, personal friendship love for them, in addition to the love he just has for everybody. Okay, so they were good friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Jesus. Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus, verse 6. So, when he heard that he was sick, Jesus hurried away quickly to Bethany to get there before Lazarus died. You say, what? <laughs> what version of the Bible are you reading from? I'm not reading from any version of the Bible. That's not what the verse says. And no, that's what you might, we would all logically think the verse would say, that Jesus would hurry to get to Bethany, which could be done in a matter of a few hours uh, on foot. No, look what verse 6 says. It says, so, when he heard that he, Lazarus, was sick, Jesus stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now, have you ever seen two more contradictory statements mashed together, juxtaposed together, like uh, verse 5 and verse 6? Look, verse 5. Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus as great personal friends. He loved them deeply. Verse 6, so when he heard Lazarus was sick, he didn't go anywhere for two days. He didn't go to him. You talk about two uh, opposing ideas, two contradictory uh, uh, statements. He loved them, but he didn't go to him. He loved him, but he didn't leave where he was and travel to Bethany. He loved Lazarus, but he didn't move immediately to go heal him. How contradictory can two things be? Now, folks, this is an oxymoron. An oxymoron. Many of you know the term. An oxymoron is a... Uh, well, let me give you the definition from the dictionary. An oxymoron 
consists of two apparently contradictory terms or statements that appear in conjunction to one another. Two apparently contradictions that are hooked up to each other. So, you say, what are some examples? All right, I wrote some down. Bitter, sweet. How can it be bitter and be sweet? There's an oxymoron. Open secret. If it's a secret, how can it be open? Pretty ugly. <laughs> a pretty and ugly don't go together. Uh, how about this one? Uh, I had a friend tell me this. I'm not responsible for this. Somebody in the military told me this. How about this one? Military intelligence. <laughs> and not me. I had a military friend tell me that. <laughs> military intelligence. <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't all write me. It's not mine. <laughs> Actually, it's in. It's it's online. It, it's, you know, there's a list of all these things. Military intelligence. Okay, that's that's you know I'm kidding obviously. Uh, but you understand now what a an oxymoron is. Now we have this is what I want you to get today an oxymoronic God. It's part of the way he loves to operate. You say what? You say I, I'm not sure I get that. Well. Uh, if you love Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, then you stay at the other side of the Jordan for two days. Makes no sense. It's, uh, it's an oxymoron. It makes no sense. They're contradictory. If you love them, you would go to them. All right? You got it? And often... God's oxymoronic behavior can be explained by if and then. If and then. Uh, you know, I'll get, for you English teachers, just so you know that I actually did pay a little bit of attention in high school, we have a protasis and an apodosis. You're like, are those two new kinds of candy bars? No. No, a protasis... P-R-O, a protasis, is the if statement, and the apodosis is the then statement. You say, are you trying to impress us? No, I'm not trying to impress you. I'm trying to educate all of us, a protasis and an apodosis. And I'm also trying to, to give a, a, you know, something to make English teachers feel good. Okay, so if and then. So here's some. How about these? If God loves me, then why is my child sick? If God loves me, then why did I have a car accident? If God loves me, then why am I facing a financial crisis? If God loves me, then why am I in poor health? If God loves me, then why does he let people treat me the way some of them do? If God loves me, then why was I passed over for promotion at work? If God loves me, 
Why have I got a toothache? See the, all the oxymorons here? Every one of them is, from a human logic point of view, an oxymoron. If God loves me, I shouldn't have a car accident. If God loves me, I shouldn't. my children shouldn't have the problems they do. If God loves me, I shouldn't have a dental problem or whatever. You understand on, on a human level. Now, I remember just talking about a dental problem. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm not a big fan of going to the dentist. And I know when I say this, it drives particularly dentists crazy, but it drives everybody out there crazy who likes to uh, uh, follow all the rules the way they're supposed to be followed. I understand that. But I don't go to the dentist every six months. My wife does. I don't go to the dentist every 12 months. I don't go to the dentist every 24 months. In fact, I don't go to the dentist until I absolutely have to go to the dentist. And I'm sorry about that, uh, but I don't, I don't like going to the dentist. And uh, that's, you know, I'm sorry. I just don't. Anyway, I had this tooth that was really um, hurt and bad. And so I went to see my good friend Stanley Levin, who used to be an entodontist up here in Falls Church. Hey, Stanley, I don't know if you're listening, but God bless you, brother. I grew up with Stanley, but we went to high school together. Jewish brother uh, who uh, did root canals. And I went to see him saying, Stanley, I hope I'm not going to need a root canal. And he looked at my tooth and he said, I'm afraid you do. You know, he took x-rays and everything. I was afraid I might. So Brenda had come with me because I knew I'd get Nova had to get Nova caned up if I if I needed it, and she was sitting out in the waiting room, and I said, "Well, Stanley," I said, um, "I said," uh, he said, "Let's do it now." I go, "What?" He goes, "Let's do it right now." I'm like, "What?" I said, "No, no, Stanley, no, 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 no. I didn't come in here prepared for us to do it today." I'm not emotionally ready. He goes, what? What do you mean you're not emotionally ready? I said, Stanley, you don't understand. Uh, some of you understand. I, I'm not emotionally ready. I said, besides, I got to use the restroom before we, we we talk about this anymore. So I went in the restroom. I was looking in the mirror, and I was like hyperventilating. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. And I went out the other door. The restroom had two doors, and the other door went into the sitting area, the re uh, the reception area. And I said, okay, Brenda, come on, we're leaving. And she said, well, what did he say? And I said, I I'll tell you on the way home. Come on, we're going. And she said, no, what did he say? And Stanley came out the door into the waiting room and he said, Lon, are you ready? And uh, he had, he had the little, the whole, he had filled the whole, you know, the, the big horse needle up. They put in your mouth uh, in there. Uh, so he was holding that, and Brenda said, uh, uh, "What's what's going on?" And I said, "Well, well, uh, Stanley thinks I uh, says I need a root canal, uh, but I, I'm not ready to get it today." I said, "Let's go." And she said, "Lon Solomon," she said, "Look at me right here, <laughs> my wife." She looked at me right in the eyes. She said, "You get your parts right back in there right now." And you get that root canal right this minute. You understand me? 
And I'm like, I don't know. And she's like, Lon Solomon, you go in there and you get that root canal. So I did. You say, was it as bad as you thought? <laughs> Every bit. <laughs> anyway, if God loves me, why do I need a root canal if God loves me? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Now, there are a lot of people in the Bible who could have said this very same thing. Joseph could have said, if God loves me, then how come I'm in this pit uh, that my brothers threw me in and they're about to sell me into slavery into Egypt? Uh, if God loves me, Ruth could have said, then why did my husband die? And why am I poor as a pauper and have to go out in the fields and, and glean and pick up the grain the, that the harvesters drop on the ground? Why? Uh, if God loves me, uh, Esther could have said, and Mordecai, if God loves me and the Jewish people, then why is Haman in the position he's in with the power he's in and, and, about, and, and, and ready to wipe all the Jews in the Persian Empire out? If God loves me, Daniel could have said, well, how come uh, these people uh, 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 ratted on me and now I'm getting thrown in a lion's den? If God loves us, his three friends, how come we're getting in thrown into a furnace of fire when we stand up for the Lord and they're going to throw us in the fire? I mean, I could go on and on. David could have said, if, if God loves me, how come... I've spent the last seven years running away from Saul who wants to kill me. Friends, you and I aren't the first people to say if God loves me, then why is this bad thing happening? These are oxymorons. If God loves me, he shouldn't be throwing me in the lion's den. If God loves me, he shouldn't be letting my brother sell me into slavery. If God loves me, he shouldn't have let my husband die, Ruth could have said. And on and on. Now, this is exactly what happened in John chapter 11. If God loved Lazarus so much, then why did he stay two days and allow him to die? Okay, now, that's as far as we're going to go in our passage. But we're going to ask our most important question now. Are you ready? Come on. Here we go. One, two, three. So what? You bet. And you know what? What do we say? Come on. How sweet it is to be studying the Word of God today. You bet. Now. What's the takeaway? What's the not a sermon, just a thought? What's the so what here? Friends, our God does a lot of oxymoronic things. The ones that he did to some of the people in the Bible, we have the advantage of seeing how they worked out and why God's oxymoronic behavior was not bad behavior, unloving behavior, a foolish behavior, I mean, dare we God call God foolish, uh, unkind behavior, 
God knew what he was doing. Even though his behavior at one point in the story was oxymoronic. He knew by sending Joseph to Egypt, he was going to become prime minister of Egypt and save the Jewish people from extinction. He knew by taking Ruth's husband, first husband, that Boaz was going to marry her and she was going to become the great-great-grandmother of King David and the great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, He knew that by throwing the three uh, youths into the fiery furnace in Daniel's time, that Nebuchadnezzar was going to come, I believe, to, to believe in the one living God of, uh, of Israel uh, as a result of that. So the oxymoronic behavior made perfect sense in light of the ending that God knew, but the people going through the oxymoronic behavior did not know. Now that brings us to you and me. Folks, God many times, many times, does things that are oxymoronic. In fact, it's kind of part of his operating system. This happens often. And let me tell you why this happens. It's because the reason it looks oxymoronic is because in our human logic, our human thoughts, our human ways... Makes it make it look that way, uh, but you see. Let me read you what God said in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter fifty-five. Look at this: For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. This is why God often does things that seem oxymoronic on the human level. But they're not, because his ways are above the human level. And his thoughts are above the human level. And his plans are above the human level. And his intended outcome is above the human level of what we can conceive in our minds at the time. They're exceedingly, abundantly beyond what we can ask or even think. Ephesians chapter 3. And so let me close by saying this. I have lots of oxymoronic things that are going on in my life right now. I have things that make no sense. If God loves me, then why is God letting this happen to me, to my family, to my children, to my grandchildren? And I don't have an answer. And I'll bet you, you've got a lot of oxymoronic things going on in your life that you don't have an answer to either. Okay, well, you know, this is the reason a lot of people don't believe in Christ. Because they'll say, if we have a loving God, then why 
are children suffering all over the world. If there's a loving God, then why is all of this war and death going on in our world? If we have a loving God, then why are there all these diseases in our world? If our God were a loving God, then why, 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 why? I cannot believe in a loving God existing in light of all these other things I've just named. This is where many people are. And, you know, I understand on the human level uh, that they feel this way. But you see, this is why God often does oxymoronic seeming things. Because it demands that we walk by faith. If I encounter a person who says, if there's a loving God, then why, why, why? That's why I can't believe in him. My answer to that has got to involve faith. That they believe in this God, even if they can't explain his choices and his behavior at a given point. And what he allows, and what he doesn't. But that demands faith. To believe that God is who he says he is, even if we can't explain what he's doing. That's faith. And that's why we as Christians walk by faith. And that's why the only answer we can give people who make this objection to believing in Jesus is a faith answer. And that faith comes because we know Christ and we understand him. So, let me just say this in closing. The if part is always true, even if you can't explain the then part. That's what I want you to take away. God loves to act in oxymoronic ways. He often does. But, the if part is always true, if God loves me. If I am a child of God. If I am precious in the Lord's sight. Those ifs are always true, even if the then statements are inexplicable by you. Then why, then why, then why, then why? You may not be able to explain that, uh, uh, but the if statements are still true. Or to put it another way, and I wrote this down so I'd get it just right, the beginning part of this apodosis, protasis apodosis, the if-then, the beginning part is always true, even if I can't figure out the end part. The if part's always true, if and I, even if I can't figure out the then part. Do you understand? The beginning part is always true. Does God love me? Yes. Am I his child in Christ? Yes. Am I precious in his sight in Christ? Yes. Okay. It's always true, even if I can't figure out the end part. Folks, the if-then oxymoronic Protasis apodosis, beginning part and end part, 
of this is always true. And we just have to walk by faith and believe the beginning part, even if we can't explain the end part. This is how our God does it, to demand that we walk by faith. Let's pray. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you've got some if-then problems that you've talked to the Lord about, complained to the Lord about, griped about, that you're befuddled about and bewildered about, and that you just cannot figure out how and why, if the if part is true, then the rest of this is happening. I want you to take a moment right now. Let's ask God to forgive us for trying to figure out his ways and his thoughts when they're way above anything we could possibly put together. And help us just tell him that we're going to trust him, even if we don't understand. Lord Jesus, I need your help. Just like I think everybody listening to me needs your help. In these if-then oxymorons that I struggle with. Lord, if you really love me, why would you do this? Why would you let this happen? Or why isn't uh, uh, this thing happening that I want to happen? And, and why are you letting people treat me this way? And how are you letting them get away with treating me or my children this way? And on and on. Why are things going the way they're going at work? Why is this teacher picking on me at school? Whatever. Lord Jesus, remind us that the if part the beginning part is true. Your love, your mercy, your cherishing us as your children, us being precious in your sight, even if we can't explain the then part, the end part. Encourage our faith and help us walk by faith and recognize that these oxymoronic things are part of the way you operate to demand that we walk by faith. And we pray this. And Lord, help us understand your operating procedure better as a result of our time in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Oxymoronic behavior by God, hey, it's, it's regular. It's normal for God to do this. So don't let it upset you. He did it with Lazarus. Don't let this upset you. He did it with Ruth and Esther and Daniel and, 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 and Joseph. Just keep trusting him. I hope we'll see you next week. God bless you.